little music change. Welcome back. Uh, this is the plus hour, I guess. We just finished up Jay's Talk. I'm Blake Murphy. This is an hour of Jay's Talk Plus or Jay's Talk Extended, whatever you want to call it. Fan Drive Time comes to you at 5 o'clock. Uh, ben Ennis will be joined by Alex Anthopoulos. Tim and Friends will be joined by uh, Blue Jays General Manager Ross Atkins a little later as well. So this is normally the Jays Talk Plus spot, but the Jays played today at noon. So this is going to be more of a post-game show. It's also going to be more of a call-in and text-in show than we normally do. So send your texts to 59590. Send your tweets to Blake Murphy ODC. Send your Instagrams to eBlakeMurphy, whatever you want to do. Or you can call 416-870-0590-888-666-0590 or just hit star 590 on your mobile. I did get a couple texts or a couple tweets rather um and responded to something i i tweeted about um mitch white and said i really don't know anything about white i've only read a bit about pop but i'm intrigued at what pop could become i'll be happy to learn the same about white so and you're right about what pop could become and i i would classify both of these trade deadline additions as guys who are solid now and can play on your major league team but with the age and years of control and some stuff in their profile, I think there's a little bit more to them. Mitch White had some success as a swingman for the Dodgers. Um, I got rave reviews from uh, some friends around the Dodgers who uh, say Mitch White is a, is going to be a good clubhouse fit, a really well-liked guy, kind of hardworking type. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the minimum you look for, but it's good to hear nonetheless. He's a... A pedigree guy, too, is a former second-round pick. So what does Mitch White do well? He doesn't allow a lot of hard contact. In fact, he was 85th percentile in hard hit rate uh, during his time with the Dodgers this year. Not as much swing and miss stuff as you'd really like. Uh, he did struggle to miss bats with a 94-mile-an-hour uh, four-seamer. Against lefties, he's going to go four-seamer curveball. And that's pretty much it. That curveball's got to improve. He's got to find a way to make that a, a better, a sharper, a more biting pitch. Against righties, he'll primarily throw his slider. His slider has a good whiff rate in general. Maybe not a great whiff rate for a slider on its own, though. Uh, he also does have a sinker he can mix in there. So um, this is a guy that you look at. He throws five pitches. I would imagine the Jays are going to maybe have him focus in on four maybe even three of those um, that's how they've tended to take new guys kind of focus on what they do best make sure those pitches are elite and then you know Ross Stripling gets to go back to having five pitches he uses regularly and the sequencing is all over the place and it's impossible to figure out I actually think you know they're not entirely similar pitch pitchers um, the Dodgers swingman acquisition thing is, is real uh, I do think uh, Russ Stripling could be a cool guy for Mitch White to learn off of as someone who um, mixes five pitches doesn't have a plus stuff uh, but finds a way to get it done uh, with deception with release points with things like that um, with with clever sequencing so I think I think Mitch White has some stuff on the game plan side he could maybe improve and, and then certainly with the breaking ball um, he does have the fastball and the sinker to let those things play up. Uh, just needs to sharpen those pitches a little bit. Zach Pop has a heavy, heavy, heavy sinker. Really good ground ball rate on it. And then the slider's pretty effective. And there's a case to be made given the shape of the slider, the movement of the slider, 
how well he throws it in a limited number that if he threw it more, you get a little more swing and miss. We'll see how the Jays want to deploy him. Maybe they want him as a ground ball guy, a worm burner guy. So, um, and that's your, your quick take on those two guys. Ross or Dale, they have both names on Twitter. So I'm sorry, Ross or Dale, uh, which one are you? Why are the Jays afraid to move Bo down the order? We talked about this one a little bit in the first hour. I don't know if it's an afraid thing. We were talking to Show Ali and, you know, Show kind of laid out the case of, well, you already moved Bo down once and you want to get player buy-in for that kind of thing. It's a pretty dramatic move to move him down a second time after, you know, two, three weeks in this spot. Results-wise, it's easy to make the case for Bo moving down. He's now been a below average player at the dish on the season 256 average 300 obp 412 slugging and striking out in almost 25 percent of his plate appearances on merit on a team that's been the best offensive baseball for the last two and a half months uh, by pretty much every metric except home runs he probably shouldn't be in the cleanup spot when healthy george springer vladimir Guerrero jr alejandro kirk off the top and then Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Matt Chapman, in some order, four, five, six, have all been hitting better. Some of this is guys are going to get hot and cold and you don't want to overjuggle. Some of it is Bo Bichette's 24 years old, a face of your franchise, and coming off a year in which he was really, really good and hit 29 home runs and slugged almost 500 from the shortstop position. That's probably their explanation, the the over-tinkering and the trusting the larger track record. Tough one for Bo Bichette today. He'd only struck out once over his last five appearances, uh, three of them today, including a very bad one in the ninth inning. Matt Chapman also struck out in the ninth inning, but whew, Jason Adam uh, giving him some, some stuff in that plate appearance. Teoscar Hernandez also popped out in that inning. Bad day for the Jays hitters in general. Only four hits and two walks as they continue to struggle to hit at Tropicana Field, not just this year, but for the last decade. Um, Teoscar Hernandez producing an RBI double in the first and a solo home run in the fourth. That's it for your run scoring. Uh, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. adding a stolen base in the eighth for fun, his fourth of the year, his second in the last, uh, I don't know, not even 24 hours, second in the last 20 hours. Uh, so fun stuff there. But the Jays lose. They can't get to Jalen Beeks, Ryan Yarbrough, Thompson, Fairbanks, Adam. Uh, only two runs, only six base runners off that group. On the pitching side, Yusei Kikuchi gives up two over four, five strikeouts, gets out of some trouble in the third, uh, but heavy, heavy pitch usage in the third and the fourth. So they get him out of there. Thornton gives you a clean fifth. Adam Simber gives up a run, hands over some trouble to Tim Meza that Meza gets out of, and then Phelps and Richards go clean from there. Um, so one run over four innings for your bullpen, not bad in general, but on a day that your offense couldn't get it going, that's enough for the loss there. Uh, almost could have been worse, by the way, in the seventh. Danny Jansen tried to back pick a base runner at first base, and uh, that allowed a runner to advance from second to third. Could have come back to bite them, but Meza with a strikeout and a flyout to get out of that one. So that's the game that was. Couple news notes, if you weren't listening in the last hour, and if you were, I apologize. You're going to hear this repeated. But some people might just be tuning in on the drive home. George Springer didn't play. They continue to be cautious. He's wearing a contraption on his arm. Uh, four days in a row now, he hasn't played. If he got put on the IL, it could be retroactive to the 30th. It's 
probably something they're looking at and seeing just exactly how much rest this needs. Whit Merrifield can play center field, play some center field. I don't know if you want him there every day. Ross Stripling hit the IL as well with a right glute strain. Matt Peacock was recalled. Um, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop will join the team tomorrow and expect to be activated along with Merrifield and then Mitch White hanging in uh, with the taxi squad for the time being. With the loss, Jays fall to 58 and 46. Uh, 11 and a half back of the Yankees. Actually, that's 11 now, and that game's done. So the Yankees uh, lose to Seattle, which means the Jays are 11 back of New York and two up on Seattle for that first wild card spot. Uh, still a five and a half game cushion for the Jays on a playoff spot in general. So don't stress out too much about one loss. Uh, we'll see how they do against the Minnesota Twins team over the next four. That was a lot more aggressive at the trade deadline. Loading up. Uh, we'll talk to our pal Brandon Warren on Stock Plus tomorrow to set that series up. Lots of text in the text line. So we're going to do this as kind of a mailbag segment, I guess. And I apologize if I don't get to yours, because there are a lot in there. Nathan, by the way, says, uh, if Aaron Boone can move his big boys up and down the lineup on a weekly basis, I think the Jays can move Boba Shett around. Hey, I agree, Nathan. There's, there is an accountability element. There is an element of if you don't like it, pitch better. Uh, I know it was Jose Batista visiting the trop today, but maybe they need a David Price appearance too. If you don't like it, pitch better. Um, that's the that's the answer. If you don't like getting moved down in the order. And right now, Boba Shett, you know, by OPS has been the Jays' eighth best hitter. Even if you're looking at a larger sample, he hasn't been, you know, the Jays. He hasn't been a top three Blue Jays hitter uh, or a top four Blue Jays hitter over the last extended stretch. So we're going to get to some text here in the text line. Will in Oshawa <laughs> says, I was pouring over Whit Merrifield's numbers yesterday, and I don't care if he ever gets vaccinated. Uh, that is a funny one. I'm not the world's biggest Whit Merrifield believer. Credit to Baseball Savant for doing uh, a really good job photoshopping a Jays hat on him on his StatCast page. Here's what you're looking at for Merrifield, though. He can play center field, um, very high contact rate. He doesn't strike out. He doesn't swing and miss. Um, he's pretty fast. He gets, even though he came up as an, primarily an infielder, uh, he grades out really well on some stat cast outfield metrics in terms of getting a jump on the ball. Um, but he's not going to hit it hard. He's not going to walk a ton. It's basically a bat the ball guy with some speed and some defense that is novel on this roster. So that's great. And then if you dig into some of the stat cast stuff in terms of batted ball quality, he had a really tough start to the year and some of the uh, stuff, some of the full season numbers haven't caught up to the fact that he's been better of late. Uh, no, he's not having a good year. No, he is not going to fundamentally change this team's World Series outlook. But he's fine. There are two guys on the bench who have roster spots that Whit Merrifield is going to be more useful than at least. Adam from Vancouver says he thinks Ross Atkins made the right amount of moves. Um, they've had huge offensive outputs for games and then games where they can barely hit mediocre pitching. Uh, the Yankees and Astros aren't as inconsistent. Uh, so save the big trade chips for a team that has a chance. I don't know if I fully agree with that, Adam. I, I think anytime you have 
you know, the Daryl Morey's rule in basketball is the, the 5% rule. If you got a 5% shot at a title, you, you kind of got to act like you have a good shot at the title because even 5% chances don't come around all that often. The reality of the playoff structure is that even a really favored team in a wild card series, we're talking 55, 45, maybe, maybe 60, 40, if you get really extreme. So I get it from that side of things but in general um you know i think they could have been a little bit more aggressive the hard part of course is like we see the names who move we don't see the names who don't move rob from guelph is back on the bobachette topic uh says bo's last at bat was so predictable and maddening i uh, hope the coaches tell him it's unacceptable to swing at three straight sliders out of the zone in a close game uh, it wasn't three straight, and he took the first one. He took the first one, and then it was only the third one that was out of the zone. But yes, not a very good plate appearance. Um, fairly predictable at this point. Um, this is from Greg and Barry. Still kind of rattled about the underwhelming trade deadline, and today only letting Kikuchi go four innings with two runs. Uh he think Greg thinks that's their way of saying we haven't solved much uh, pitching problems. We'll be facing us all year. We'll do better next year. Again, I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I think there are real factors in terms of keeping prospect capital for future rosters, for future moves, um, a little bit of faith in Kikuchi still maybe, and a, a belief that Mitch white is a, is a guy. Um, but yeah, if you're not going to let you say Kikuchi, go a little longer than that. What are you saying? Maybe this is a short-term thing where until he gets the confidence back up, until he gets cruising a little bit, you don't want to let him go through an order a third time. He did come out right before uh, he would have got to the the order a third time. He came out with Pinto uh, up at the plate, which who's the nine hitter. So 17 batters faced. Um, I thought he was pretty solid. I was encouraged by obviously the first two innings where he strikes out four. Um, and goes to two perfect innings. I was really encouraged by the third inning where he gets in a bases loaded spot, uh, gets pinched a little bit with the strike zone and, and finds his way out of it, only giving up one. Uh, and the bases were loaded with only one out. That maybe feels like a low bar, but that's the area all year where things have spiraled and snowballed on Kikuchi. So to see him pull out of that was uh, at least moderately encouraging. But yeah, Greg, if he's only going to be a five and dive a four and door, a three and flee, whatever we want to call it, uh, twice through the order guy. Yeah, it's that that puts into greater contrast the lack of starting pitching depth. That's especially so when you move Max Castillo. I know you got back Mitch White, but you also just lost Ross Stripling to the IL. So you're only an injury away from Thomas Hatch again or Casey Lawrence. I don't want to put that on you guys. I don't want to wish that on anyone. Uh, Simon and Shelburne just warns that there's incoming bullpen and deadline anger. Yep. That's been most of the text line and the call line, buddy. Uh, that's the, that's the job though. We're okay. We're okay. Uh, lots of good texts though. So um, again, why another one? Why is Bichette hitting fourth? Uh, sign these by the way, guys um, put your name and your location so we can shout you out. Ray from Aurora asks, well, yes, show. But I'm on the air, not show. Uh, so can you explain to me how Detroit and Pittsburgh have better bullpens than the Jays? It's just the way it works out sometimes. 
Um, they've done a better job at finding and developing inexpensive relievers or converting starters to relievers when they don't work as starters or they don't work somewhere else. Um, it's not as if David Bednar didn't take a really, really long time to become an effective reliever or um, some of the, you know, Michael Fulmer bounced around as a starter before he found it as a reliever. Joe Jimenez um, was a DFA candidate last year. Bullpens are random. Um, that's just the way it works out sometimes. Unfortunately, the prices were apparently high on a Gregory Soto type. And if you're the Pirates, why would you move David Bednar 100 years before he's free agent eligible? Uh, my counter to that would be because it would be fun for the Blue Jays and because uh, selling high on a reliever when you're very, very far away from contention is probably never the worst idea. But you could see why they'd want to hang on to him for at least another year. Um, Peter from London, uh, I hear you, but I'm not going to read that one out. Um, I understand they're just trying to do something new, but thank you for the kind words about our show. Um, Tim and Allison agrees with Billy and Markham, who we, who we talked with earlier says, given the variability of the J season so thus far and taking into consideration the strength of the Yankees and Astros and their consistency, um, he thinks the front office decided it wasn't the right time to push all the assets in. Again, I think this is probably not as much about being shaken for this year because, again, this is an older pitching staff and guys are getting more expensive and you're not going to have a ton of paths to improve, at least in the free agent market this summer. So I think if that's the thinking, it's um, it's a little flawed. Um, but I do think it's more, it's a case of the better way to frame it is they're trying to take the long view. We've heard people around the Jays, our Jays insiders at Sportsnet say things like they're trying to build a sustainable winner like the Dodgers or, you know, the Yankees are a good example. No, the Jays are never going to spend like the Yankees, but the Yankees managed to use their capital in terms of draft and scout and player development such that not only they always have a high payroll, they have all these trade chips uh, to deal. The Dodgers can do that as well. They got Gavin. They have spare Gavin Luxes just sitting around uh, to move. They've got spare Mitch Whites uh, to fire off to the Jays uh, to clear a forty-man spot and pick up a better prospect uh, than Mitch White. You know, in terms of upside, uh, I lost the question. Someone asked about Nick Frasso um, being the return for Mitch White, and yeah, I, I like Nick Frasso. Even if you think you know he's a uh, the term is helium prospect where he he gained a lot of prospect cash in a short amount of time. Uh, fourth round pick in 2020 only through five pro innings last year. And then suddenly he's a huge prospect this year. When you throw a hundred and you're a huge dude, you suddenly become a pitching prospect. That's just the way it works. Uh, he also, um, what's the number? Oh yeah. Three earned runs allowed over 37 innings in the minors this year uh, with a whopping 57 strikeouts. Uh, yeah. Maybe some helium, but helium rises sometimes for a reason. So uh, I was intrigued by Frasso as well. The Mitch white edition isn't, uh, isn't too bad there, but again, the Dodgers are able to do things like have a surplus Mitch white to turn into a higher upside prospect who's a little further away relieves the 40 man uh, crunch that they were under and gets them a little more upside coming up the system. That's something that you have to build over a long time. And I, I would think that rather than calling it a, they don't see this year as the year to push all in. 
The better way to frame it is maybe, you know, keeping a multi-year window open and recognizing that your farm system's just not that good right now. And that means your prospects, unless you want to touch those top two guys, are not going to bring back what some other team's prospects are bringing back. Um, Paul and Burlington, more Bo stuff. I think we're good on Bo stuff for uh, for right now. Um, we've talked about it a lot today. But yeah, a rough one for him. And maybe they explore moving him down in the order. Uh, Will and Markdale asked a question I've talked about a lot. And I was talking about this with a friend uh, in the DMs the other day. What about moving Kikuchi to the bullpen? And Will's comment is, well, Kikuchi can only seem to put together two to three good innings consistently. Would moving him to the bullpen in October be an option to get some more swing and miss stuff at the back end of the bullpen? Yes, um, but this requires a couple things. One, you got to have, if you make it past the wild card round, you got to have someone else you're cool with starting a game then more than Kikuchi. Maybe that's Stripling heading up a bullpen day. Maybe you piggyback Stripling and Kikuchi in some form. Uh, maybe Mitch White works his way in there. Maybe you go full bullpen day. Um, but you, you're gonna, you're probably not going to go Manoa 137 or 147 rather, especially if he just pitched in the wild card game as well. So um, tough one there. My hesitation with Kikuchi is not that he doesn't have swing and miss stuff. You saw what that slider looked like today. Slider looked tremendous. Fastball commands all over. Um, but what we tend to look for with starter to reliever candidates, the first is, are they good first time through the order and then they struggle when teams have seen them more than once? Um, because that's the that's the big smoking gun, right? If, if a team can't see you two, three times, you can only get them the first time through, then you're a relief candidate because you're only ever going to see a team one time through. Kikuchi's the opposite. He has his worst numbers the first time through the order this year. Uh, the other is that in some cases, you want to look at a guy who throws a third pitch too often and it's not very effective because you could drop that as a reliever. You could just go, if you're Kikuchi, say fastball slider. But the fastball hasn't been very consistent to where I think he'd need to keep that third pitch in the mix. So it's certainly possible. Um, definitely. Uh, I mean, Anthony bond is DFA at this point. Tim Mays is the only lefty back there. Maybe you, you want another lefty back there. Um, it's one of those things too, where like, you'd love to get him some experience doing that before making the move, but you can't really do that and manage your rotation over the course of the rest of the season. Uh, come playoff time though. The, the real answer to this will is come playoff time. Everything is on the table. Uh, there's nothing you're, Nothing you're ruling out at all. Jen in Toronto asks, uh, Jays have a number of holes in their lineup. Some have fallen off. Dog days of summer or bad approaches? A uh, little bit of both, Jen. I, I would say it's more dog days of summer and, you know, just the way a baseball season feels over the long stretch. If you go back the last two and a half months, they have the best batting average, OBP, slugging, WRC plus, which kind of adjusts every team to a neutral environment and a league average rate. Uh, they're first in all that stuff. They're not first in home runs. That's the only spot they really trail, uh, but they've been arguably the best offensive offensive baseball the last two and a half months. And I would say inarguably a top four base uh, top four offensive baseball on the year. So I think that this is just a case of, some guys are going to get hot at sometimes and, and other guys will cool off and then it'll switch. There was a time where George Springer and Santiago Espinal were the only guys in the lineup hitting Alejandro Kirk went like a whole month without hitting extra base hit or striking out. You mix 
and match that stuff by way of just guys heating up and cooling down. It, it's not really realistic for everyone to be on at the same time as much as that would be a lot of fun. I think it's just kind of the dog days thing. Now, the approach is something to watch for because you do have guys like Bo Bichette who, yes, Gnome from Toronto, you could move him down in the order. Um, there's an accountability there. There's an approach thing there. Um, but, Jen, to your question, the Jays as a team have had some approach ups and downs in terms of waiting on your pitch or your location. Mostly this is just guys having ups and downs. Some guys are going to carry the offense for a bit. The big thing to watch for is Debo and Vlad get really hot at some point. This is Vlad's second hitting streak of the year of 14 games or more. And you still wouldn't say Vlad's having a, a good year by Vlad standards, which is a really high bar, of course. But he's only been about 38% better than league average compared to 66% better than league average last year. Um, even if you don't want to adjust for league averages, uh, the OBP's down about 40 points. The slugging's down about 100 points. It feels like there's a, a hot streak in Vlad sometime down the stretch here. Um, Bo, the approach needs to improve, but maybe that's there too. Colin in Calgary. Says, I really like Merrifield, but I don't see where he fits in the lineup unless Springer is missing significant time. Uh, he's an everyday player, not a bench guy, and he's right-handed. I don't know that he's an everyday player at this point. Again, I like uh, I, in advance, a mea culpa here. If it turns out Merrifield has really just been super unfortunate, um, some of the stat cast indicators are right, and he comes in and hits. But this is his second year in a row of, you know, being kind of... Uh, not kind of, a below average guy. Um, the bat-to-ball skill is nice. He doesn't strike out a lot, but he also doesn't really walk. He's only hitting 240 this year, and the bad batting average on balls in play fortune only explains some of that. Um, the stat cast misfortune, the, the difference between your expected outcomes and your actual outcomes, that only explains some of it. I don't think he's the all-star caliber guy anymore, so I don't think you worry as much about finding him everyday spots, and I'm not worried about the right-handed thing, Colin, just because... I would have preferred a left-handed guy too. But when on deadline day on Jay's talk plus, we went through the list of left-handed hitting center fielders or second baseman in the league who are any good. They all play for good teams. So they weren't available probably um, to your question though. I do think the Springer injury thing is a reasonable item to keep an eye on. Let's take a break. When we come back on the other side, Jay's talk plus continues. We're with you for one more half hour before we kick it over to fan drive time, uh, who will have Alex Anthopoulos on. And again, Tim and friends later on Sportsnet have Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins on. So a uh, good day to be consuming your sports nets all around. Uh, we are with you for one more. Keep your text coming to 590-590. There are still so many. So uh, I apologize to those who I won't get to, but uh, we'll take a break. and We'll get to more of those as Jays Talk Plus continues on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. With you for another half hour till we kick it over to Ben Ennis 
and his close personal friend, Alex Anthopoulos, who will join him at some time during fan drive time. Uh, reminder again, Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins also on the network today on the Sportsnet side with Tim and friends. So keep an eye out for those. Toronto Blue Jays lose 3-2. We're kind of just doing a mailbag Jays Talk Plus here because we ended up, that was a, a lightning quick game. So we ended up with uh, two hours of post game to fill. Nothing wrong with that. We've got lots of your texts uh, in the text line. I'm going to keep going through those. We're going to stop picking on Bo Bichette. Uh, I understand some of you are quite frustrated with Bo Bichette's uh, decision-making at the plate today and uh, in general on the season and maybe his place in the batting order. But we're going to let up. We talked about that a, a fair amount already. Mate in Stony Creek, I, I believe your name is Nate. Uh, and you typoed your own name. Unbelievable, mate. Uh, it's, uh, sorry, man. I had to call you out. Uh, Denelson Lamette and Yuris Familia have both been DFA'd. Are they guys that um, maybe the Jays would take a look at? Familia at this point, I mean, he's not far removed from being an effective reliever for the Mets. Uh, really didn't miss any bats this year. So Some troubling signs there um the velocity down a mile and a half an hour so it's not just a product of poor results uh the phillies dfaing him as part of their uh shakeup as well uh denelson lamette is someone i'm more intrigued by because I don't know. This is going to sound like I'm just running counter to what I said with familiar, but um, the, the bat missing profile there is very legitimate and was as a starter. So I have a little bit more time for a guy who would be converting from a starter to a multi-inning bullpen guy or continuing that transition. He was awful this year. Um, couldn't keep the ball in the park. Couldn't keep the ball in the zone. Only two years removed, though, from a 35% strikeout rate and a 7.5% walk rate. Yeah, smallish sample, and he, and he never went too, too deep into games. Uh, but he was a very effective starter for a couple years there, not all that long ago. And, yeah, the the velocity has dipped from 2020, but it hasn't dipped from last year. He's just went to a more slider-heavy approach. Uh, he's pitched more like a reliever, basically. I mean, honestly, at this point, you kick the tires on anyone. You got a couple outings at a Sergio Romo. I'm not going to complain about kicking the tires on anyone DFA, as long as it's just the, hey, bring you in for a couple days, see what you got kind of thing like it was with Romo. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. There's a lot more Boba Shett stuff. Uh, we're just uh, we're just hanging on to it. David in Toronto says, if the playoffs started tomorrow, Tampa Bay in the last wildcard spot would play the Twins, and the Mariners would play the Jays. Um, Tampa Bay gets to play an inferior team despite finishing behind the Mariners. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, that's playoff format. Uh, we're coming off of years and years of worst teams missing the playoffs because of the playoff format. Um, way back when it was, uh, you know, the Jays winning a lot of games and being third in the division and never having a chance. Uh, the playoffs aren't fair. They never are. What can you do? The answer, I guess, is... Uh, Actually, my fantasy league shot this down this year, but we voted on the top seed getting to pick their first round opponent, which could be an interesting way to spice things up. The content would be amazing. I don't know that any team would really want to do it and it would maybe uh, devalue the regular season a little bit, at least for the teams that aren't finishing first. 
Uh, Paul in Toronto um, asks about um, runners in scoring position performance since Saturday, July 16th. Uh, I apologize. I'll have to look at that when I have a, a bit more of a runway to look up the stats. It's a tough one. I could do that when I'm on with JD and Alish because I could just not talk for a minute and find those. Uh, but going solo, uh, it's a little tougher. Someone didn't sign this, but the Yankees, Dodgers, and Mets all paid luxury tax. Why doesn't Toronto go in and get players? Well, this is the highest payroll in franchise history right now. Um, I would say the better comparison is not those teams who have limitless money and limitless market. It's the San Diego Padres who are the 17th largest market in the United States who a couple years ago were operating like a small market team and are now top five in payroll because they built and managed so well and they're competitive enough to continue that and it's a self-sustaining economy to always sunny in philadelphia um but i don't know how any economy works uh no i i don't think those are the right comparisons i think you want to look at the second tier of teams who still manage to spend a lot um and be competitive and go out and get players uh because the yankees and dodgers are never going to be a fair comparison for anyone other than each other that doesn't mean you can't go out and not get can't go out and get players we see the padres do it we see the astros do it um, even a team like the Twins was aggressive, were aggressive rather at the deadline. Um, so this person didn't sign. How does the COVID IL work for a, a Jays player who chooses to only play in the USA? Um, so they would be able to put him on the restricted list. He would lose service time and lose his salary during that time. So I mentioned the Jays have 26 home games left. Um, he would stand to lose about a million dollars if that's the route he went on, went down. And uh, I mean, not a lot. The only other thing he could do is come here, quarantine, and then only play the home games, but same kind of thing. And, and you'd miss more road games than home games. Um, the most interesting thing there, this is, uh, this is getting galaxy brain with it a little bit. Say that were to be the case. Do you, instead of sending Bradley Zimmer down, who's the obvious candidate to come off the roster when Merrifield enters it, do you instead send Kevin Biggio down because he's in an option year already and you can move him up and down more freely, whereas Zimmer, you would expose to waivers? Is anyone going to claim Bradley Zimmer? Uh, consider me skeptical at this point. Um, Kevin from Uxbridge says he gets the whole wanting to keep the prospects for the future thing. Uh, you can always make a case for that. But having Jansen and Kirk, why not trade Moreno for Hader or Castillo? Uh, the window will keep getting smaller, and Moreno isn't the answer. Um, Kevin, I would just say that when you are making a trade like that where it's a, a fundamentally large trade, and, and that's you know deciding which of your three good young catchers is not a part of the future and moving per Baseball America, the number one prospect in baseball, um, that's something you probably want to take a little bit of time with. And you want to make sure it's the right move. You don't want to panic trade it. Yeah, if it was Juan Soto, don't win every prospect. I don't care. It's Juan Soto. Um, when it comes to a guy who's maybe a number three, four starter who only has a year and a half of control, I understand the hesitation uh, a little bit more. Not that anyone's untouchable. I just think it's something that is easier to approach in the offseason when you've seen how Kirk holds up to a full season, when you've seen a larger sample of Danny Jansen's bat, when you've seen how Moreno progresses in the minors uh, behind the plate and when your market is much larger because more teams are willing to make a win-win trade in the offseason whereas right now you'd be looking at um you know you're probably selling him as a prospect to a team that only wants him as a prospect uh whereas in the offseason 
Um, when teams are a little more willing to trade with other playoff teams, you could trade one of your catchers for a win now piece and offer them up as a win now piece. So, um, yeah, that's that's my take on that one. I just think it's a it's a bigger thing. Um, Claire, again, uh, uh, appreciate the the response and the thoughtful explanation. Um, but we're done picking on Bo uh, for today. Um, although I, I do disagree with your point that the putting him back in the two spot isn't going to help. He's that's uh, it's an even worse spot given the approach and the low on base percentage right now. So. That's a tough one. Um, this person didn't sign, but Blake, don't you think this lineup is fundamentally flawed? Too much swing and miss in the clutch. Uh, they're not that high of a, like, it's not, it's not that extreme. It just feels like it because strikeouts stand out more. Um, you know, they're not a, a heavy strikeout team compared to the rest of the league. They're actually 25th in overall strikeout rate. Uh, I'm going to try to look at uh, the high leverage numbers here to see if it's if it's significantly worse uh in the high pressure situations it certainly feels that way at times but they are only 19th in strikeout rate in high leverage situations so it's not really there i think it's one of those things that uh you know it always feels worse because they stand out so badly and because you don't watch every game, right? We don't watch every game that Boston plays in, that Baltimore plays in, that uh, Pittsburgh plays. Oh my goodness. Pittsburgh strikes out 30% of the time uh, in high leverage situations. <laughs> goodness gracious. Uh, that is almost 1.5 times as often as the Jays strike out in those situations. Obviously Pittsburgh is bad, but that is just a monster strikeout, right? You're just prime Chris Davis every time the game is on the line. Woof. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I don't like the homogeneity of the lineup at times. I do think there are a handful of guys who would be better served by taking a more methodical approach, a more selectively aggressive approach. Um, so I don't disagree with the premise of your question, but statistically they're actually, you know, coming out a little above the average team in terms of, uh, strikeouts in general and strikeouts in the high leverage spots. Um, okay. Well, this one we're done with Bichette stuff, but no, he does not need to be moved to the bench. <laughs> no, don't go too far with this stuff. Jeez. Um, is there a chance that we see a lineup with Springer in center and Whit Merrifield that second when Springer is healthy? Um, he's worse defensively than Espinal, but gives you a more veteran and professional at bat. Tyler, I, I think so a little bit. I think you're going to want to keep him, um, at least semi-fresh in the infield and the outfield, just, you know, because that versatility is important and you don't want to drop him into a spot in a playoff game that he hasn't played in a really long time. So uh, I think there's something to that. It's not necessarily a more professional at bat because Espinal's approach is pretty good. Um, he does have some of the same bat the ball skill and is a good runner and stuff. Um, I just think you're going to want to get him opportunities in a couple different spots. And, and I do think, it'll be frustrating at times to not see the best lineup out there every time, but they're going to want to keep their 11 or 12 guys in the mix and make sure all of them are getting playing time once in a while. Chuck from Oshawa says the trade deadline didn't knock his socks off, but even before the deadline, he thought with the team on a roll and playing its best, uh, they could scare some teams and he was not willing to trade away the top prospects for a chance 
uh, when the Yankees in Houston are this good. That's fair. I mean, that's the counter to kind of what we talked about earlier in the hour uh, when some people were lamenting the lack of aggression. They're good. They're the third best team in the American League. Maybe you put them below Seattle now, depending on how everything clicks for Seattle here with Castillo and the other moves they made. Um, but they're not a one-two team. And I don't know, short of Soto, that there was a move that put them on par with the Yankees and Astros. Again, though, we don't know the trades that didn't happen that could have. Yeah, Adam and Tottenham says White had a decent strikeouts per nine last year. Not sure if it was... Uh, starter or what but who says he can't get back to that adam I, i'm with you i think he has a little bit more swing and miss to him than he showed this year um i just think you know they might need to do some of the typical pete walker not break you down to build you up but narrow the approach before expanding it back out get you focused on doing a couple things really well instead of trying to do everything and then yeah if you're ross stripling you get to throw five pitches uh if you're anyone else then maybe uh, maybe less so. Um, this person didn't... Oh, MP in Scarborough says that San Diego operates in the California market, which is huge, uh, versus the Jays, whose market is all of Canada. Uh, so neither are dependent on the local market. I'd also say that San Diego is right on the border, has a huge um, Latin American population, and does pull from uh, the Mexican market as well, uh, which is a huge... Not a huge advantage, but it's a huge boost to their market, and, and I think it's a, a really cool part of getting to track the Padres and seeing the team that they've put together and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's not a, you know, the Jays are always going to be hard to contextualize media market wise because Rogers owns them. Um, and it, so it doesn't operate the exact same as a, as a team where a team that, you know, sells on the open market, their, their television rights. Um, but yeah, those teams have, this is the thing is like, no one's going to spend with the Dodgers and the Yankees, but that's not a reason to not try you have to carve out those competitive advantages and, and um, you know, it, it's a fluid thing. You're always looking for the next one or the different one. Um, Aaron in Port Coburn says the Jays struggle in Tampa Bay started with Roy Halladay. Um, we need to beat the Tampas of the world quote. Um, yeah. Well, maybe um, I don't know. Did Roy Halladay curse the batted ball luck in Tropicana Field? Uh, I don't think so, because at that time, they did need to be the Tampas of the world. Uh, no disrespect to Carl Crawford and company. Ryan from Burlington asks, where do I see the Jays being at the end of the season? I think they're going to be wild card one or wild card two. I'm not a huge believer in the team Tampa Bay has right now. Really not a believer in the AL Central teams, Cleveland and the White Sox. I think the White Sox are really entertaining and interesting, um, but another team that really didn't do anything at the deadline to get better uh, and hasn't shown they're on the same level as some of those other teams. Um, so yeah, wild card one or wild card two, that series with the Mariners, if it's with the Mariners, is going to be something close to a coin flip. You'd really hope that you're hosting it um, because that's a tiny little edge. Gary from Saga asks if the Jays were ever in serious contention for Juan Soto. Had John Morosi on Jays Talk Plus yesterday, and he said they checked in. John's reporting was that, you know, Bobachet and a bunch of prospects would have had to been the ask, uh, and I guess it didn't get that far. So um, you can obviously feel certain ways about that. Juan Soto is Juan Soto. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Max from East York says, why not trade for a left-handed hitter for a better balanced lineup construction? Um, I, I, I think they probably tried. I think that they probably tried they were in on Ian Happ from everything we heard and then 
Whit Merrifield seems like it was there. The left-handed thing didn't work out. And again, I mentioned it earlier. You got to look at where a lefty would get playing time on this team. And there are not good left-handed hitting center fielders and second basemen who don't play on good teams. It's just not a lot of them. Uh, Colin and Bolton says typical Jays trade deadline. I don't know. They got Jose Barrios last year. That's uh, it's not a bad uh, that's not a bad trade deadline. I'm okay with Jose Barrios as a. If that were the typical Jays trade deadline, I'd be more than fine um, with that. So um, this person, Tony from Kitchener, can you help me make sense of what is going on in the organization? I'm baffled. You can't tell me they didn't know Stripling was injured yesterday, and then you go and trade Max Castillo. Um, okay, so and, and Tony says, and you, the guy you acquired, Mitch White, you optioned to AAA. So let me explain that one one more time. Yes, the Max Castillo thing caught me off guard as well. I think also I've been higher on Max Castillo and Samad Taylor than um, most of the like kind of scouting people we've brought on Jay's Talk Plus. But the Mitch White side of it, he is him being optioned to AAA is mostly just a paperwork move. He was already in AAA for the Dodgers. Um, that option carries over to Toronto and they're not subject to the recall timeline. So um, Mitch White could conceivably like he is a candidate to start Saturday's game where Ross Stripling, uh, where Ross Stripling's spot in the rotation comes up. So uh, don't write him out yet. Joe from Curtis says uh, Jays are third in the Yale right now. Assuming they hold that spot, you've got Manoa Gosman and Barrios starting a three game series. Romano to close thir- number three offense in baseball. Um, would you call it a 40% chance at worst to get through to the next round? Yeah. A 40% chance at worst to win a, a wild card series. It's just, you're also probably talking 60% at best. That's the band you're working in. If you believe the Jays and Mariners are relatively even, um, you know, there's just not a lot of wiggle room in a three game series. Look at how many times you've lost the series to a worse team or only taken two off of a bad team or taken three off of a really good team that you didn't expect to. This stuff happens in baseball. The pirates keep beating the Dodgers. No one else beats them. Um, that's, uh, that's it. And I think that the trouble some people are having with the deadline is that is not necessarily that they can't understand the, the 40, 60 kind of, outlook of a wild card series is just well okay what if you get through you're not as strong as the yankees or the astros and that's tough because it's not a certainty you're going to get through um we're going to talk a lot of deadline stuff over the coming days as well we're going to see the debut of a couple of these guys tomorrow on jay's talk plus we're going to break down we're going to set up the series with uh brandon warren who covers the twins. We're going to talk to our pal, Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs, who has some thoughts on the Jays moves and um, what the AL playoff picture looks like at this point on Friday. We're going to have Mike Petrello on uh, to go over some of the statsier side of things. And we're going to tee up this series proper. We're going to take a look at some of these new names. We're going to maybe go a little deeper on a Mitch white. We're going to see what's there with Zach pot. Um, the Jays start a four game set in Minnesota tomorrow with Alec Manoa on the Hill. You got to love that. Uh, Alec Manoa against Sonny Gray and Sonny Gray Real Estate, um, one of the greatest fantasy baseball names of all time. Um, So that's ahead. It's not, it's not an unimportant series. Um, It's, it's a pretty good measuring stick because again, the twins were pretty active. They're a team that wants it. 
they think they can win the AL Central. They think they have some pitching. Jose Barrios dominated them early in the year. We'll see Barrios against TBD on Friday. And then we've got TBD against Dylan Bundy on Saturday. My guy, Dylan Bundy, uh, one more kick at it. Uh, so yeah, you got Manoa Gray, you got Barrios against TBD. You got TBD that could be Mitch White, maybe a Casey Lawrence kind of day uh, versus Dylan Bundy. And then you got the old TBD against Chris Archer on Sunday. Although you can be reasonably sure that that's Kevin Gosman on Sunday. That's his normal turn. Um, so that's when you could anticipate seeing him. The Twins close to the Jays in the standings. We're going to kick it over now to fan drive time. Ben Ennis comes on after us. Uh, at 6 p.m., he's going to be joined by Alex Anthopoulos, the general manager and president of the Atlanta Braves, former Toronto Blue Jays general manager. On the Tim and Friends side over on Sportsnet, they'll be joined by general manager Ross Atkins. So a lot more Jays content coming your way on the network. I've been Blake Murphy. This has been Jays Talk slash Jays Talk Plus. Uh, thanks to Show Ali for coming on. Thanks to JR and Derek behind the glass. Uh, thank you for listening. And thanks for all the great texts. I'm sorry I didn't get to them all. There were just, we got like, like literally a hundred texts today, which was awesome. Uh, glad to see the interest is so high. Really looking forward to talking to you guys tomorrow again in the three to five slot on Jays Talk Plus. On Sports at 590 the fan fan drive time next.